once again into the Soccer OG. Hey, that's me, Max Bretos. This is episode 85. As always, we encourage you to rate, review, download, subscribe, and hablar con un amigo. Avisarlo. Tell a friend. Thank you for all the support. As Man, we're getting close to this World Cup, huh? Slow down! Slow down, we're not ready, even though we should have had it already. Give me a break. Got a great show for you this week. Joining me in the business end from one of the most popular podcasts here in the United States. Man, I was checking. They got like between 15, 20,000 downloads. It is Caught Off Sides. J.J. Devaney uh, had a, a nice chat with him. I was on their podcast. We're going to have Andrew because I know there's some who tuned into that podcast. and Listen to the Soccer OG. It's all about crossover and we appreciate your support. And I know I speak on their behalf. So we'll have Andrew at a different time, but a nice one-on-one here with JJ talking about getting in the business, creating a successful podcast. We'll talk about the big games from the Premier League weekend, obviously with Leeds, Chelsea, as well as uh, Manchester United, Liverpool, which fell on a Monday. The Premier League's been amazing, so we're focusing on that, but we'll branch out. I hope you're all watching a lot of football. I think I put in seven, eight games. 15-minute highlight packages on YouTube are also very, very helpful. And also MLS, which we'll, we'll turn in a little bit as we get a little mezcla, as we like to say in Miami. A little bit of this, a little bit of that, as we get closer to the marquee event. In stoppage time, we will get a closer look at what happened at Ellen Road and what it means in the big picture. Make sure you also check out the Soccer OG on YouTube under my name, Max Bretos, where we talk about leads. The, the video I just put up there has been my number one performer. Uh, I think it maybe at least in a year or so. So check it out. Everyone else is loving it. Sacro G, YouTube, Max Bretos. Let's get on with the show. Okay, let's uh, roll up the sleeves. A lot to get to before we get into the business end with JJ Devaney. Um, I was asking, does everybody call him JJ Devaney? Devaney. Good Irish fella. He was drinking a, a nice tea when I, I called up to him. I did want to talk about something before I forget. And uh, a big media package being done. CBS, Viacom, Paramount. $1.5 billion total. Oh, it's like $250 million a season. They're going to 2030 with this new Champions League package. And I guess uh, the first instinct is for everyone to celebrate and go, wow, it's, that's a win for soccer. Well... These uh, astronomical deals get me very concerned because no soccer property is worth this much money. It's not. You know, the 250, the two point, the 250 million, was it, to MLS to Apple? That's, that's, that property's not worth it. The, the numbers don't uh, add up. What the 2.5 billion that NBC paid for uh, the Premier League. I mean, there was a report coming out that the... Um, the subscription numbers are nowhere near where they need to be for the Premier League to be uh, valuable, to be making money. Um, they're hemorrhaging money. And CBS Viacom Paramount's going to hemorrhage money with this as well with regards to the Champions League. So it's a wait and see. Now, one thing I would notice, Amazon's been very interesting with regards to... Amazon's been very interesting with regards to their participation in these biddings. And uh, I have a, a couple good sources at Amazon that they actually outbid CBS Viacom Paramount, which is insane when you think about it. But, you know, everyone wants these properties 
But Amazon, they did it with Big Ten football, which ended up going to Fox, TBS, I think. So uh, Amazon is raising the price, which is great for the Champions League. And I don't know if the CBS are doing backflips or Paramount's doing backflips about that because they have to now pay this S. They knew they were going to have to come in at a high price range. But what I feel is these streaming services, there is just no way they're going to survive independently, Right. I mean, Paramount, which I enjoy Paramount. I enjoy watching the Serie A. I watch the Champions League. There's some shows there that are good. They had some movies that debut there, like the Beavis and Butthead movie, which I watched my, with my son and enjoyed thoroughly. But um, it is, uh, there's no way that these these streaming services survive independently, right? They've got to uh, sell to a, a more prominent one. And we all wait for that. We all get frustrated that we have to get Peacock and Paramount and ESPN Plus and Hulu to watch all these sports. And Amazon's going to get a soccer property. They're hovering around this. They're going to get one. So you need that too. Oh, I, I like Amazon because you get the free shipping, right? So um, all of that tells you that it's, you know, you know HBO's going to get into this sports thing. Netflix is going to get into the sports thing. But they can't survive independently, right? So uh, I don't know. It's just too much money. These properties are not worth it. You know, I love the sport. I'm, I I would sing it to the, the mountaintops. But when I see these price ranges like this, my head goes down more than anything. I don't celebrate it because I've seen what it's worth and what it's valued, and it just doesn't add up. But I'm not going to be a, a downer, right? It can't be a downer here on a day like this. We have uh, a lot to talk about. I'll save the leads discussion for stoppage time. We talked about it a little bit with J.J., I uh, did want to talk about Manchester United, which I also talk about with JJ. And just a compelling uh, evening for that game with regards to a game between the 13th, and I know it's two rounds in, and 19th, and how big it felt. It just, I know it's the biggest rivalry in England, but these teams are not playing well, and it's so early in the season, yet I was absolutely transfixed. Absolutely transfixed. It was really a, a spectacular evening. It was a really good game. And some vindication for Manchester United. Where a lot of people were saying, you know, burying, giving them a funeral. I'm like, hold on a second. They got a really good manager. And he has to prove himself. They're going to sign some players. They got Casemiro on their way. They'll be fine. Are they going to win the Premier League? No. But I, I get the feeling they hit rock bottom. And now they're moving in the right direction. Uh, great day for Americans. I also always have my top five Americans on my uh, YouTube, Soccer OG YouTube, under my name, Max Bretos. This week, I had Brendan Aronson, pardon me, I had jo- sorry, Haji Wright, number one. Haji Wright, yeah, Anatali Spor, against the best Turkish team, Trabzonspor, had two goals and was directly involved in four of the five goals. Number two, I had Brendan Aronson for the incredible achievement that he had against uh, Chelsea. Number three, Josh Sargent. Two important goals for him. Unfortunately, he played Millwall. Otherwise, he'd have been higher. That's right. I'll take a shot at Millwall when I get a chance. Jordan Peefock at number four, who scored a goal and assisted for Union Berlin. They are playing wonderfully. And they beat Leipzig, which is a you know a Champions League team from Germany. And number five, Tyler Adams. People say he put him higher, but it was just a great weekend for goal scorers. Goals are paramount in this sport. Sorry. you know, Or the second time I've talked about paramount. So um, we have that going on. So it's exciting times. This was really the best weekend for American players that I can recall, uh, in large part to Chelsea. 
uh, Leeds Chelsea, which also brought Christian Pulisic into view and what's going to happen there. And it's he's stuck there. I just I don't see it getting much better for him here anytime soon. So um, yeah, I watched a lot. Uh, Chris Richards got a start in EFL Cup play, uh, Carabao Cup play. Pardon me. Um, also has been in a spot appearance, so he's trending in the right. What about the guys at Fulham? Tim Ream, I, I talked about it. JJ, he's one of the top 10 defenders in the sport right now. Just watch it, what he does. And JJ points out he leads the league in, in intercepts. He's been remarkable. Anthony Robinson's there. And um, the lead, Serginho Dest, maybe he makes his way there. I would love to see it. I'd love to see it. I'd love to see Chris, Christian Pulisic at a different Premier League team or somewhere. Real Madrid is starting to pump right along. We got the Champions League qualifiers still going. Uh, Barcelona looked really, uh, really good against a good Real Sociedad team. So they arrived finally. Ansu Fati was, you could argue, the best performer over the weekend. I mean, the the highlights of what he did uh, take your breath away. So we're really into the throes of the the European season. MLS is going on strong, and we'll see uh, how these last two months roll up because they're going to wrap up their season before the World Cup begins. Uh, and, uh, yeah, I just can't wait for these weekends. It's putting strain on our home life, unfortunately. <laughs> it's a lot. It's a lot to do. Thankfully, uh, it, there's too many games to watch during the entire day. Finally, I want to talk about PSG. And I watched the extended PSG highlights Monday morning. Um, the, what's going on there is mad scientist, experimental ground goodness. They score a goal off the opening kick, and every play almost felt choreographed. It was like an NFL game where you hut, hike, spike, hike the ball, run it, pass it, have all these plays for guys running. I mean, it's everything is in motion. I've never seen anything quite like it. It feels like it's going 100 miles an hour. They scored seven goals over Lille, who just won the league and championship a couple seasons ago. They could have scored 10 or 11. I'm not kidding. They are going to score 10 goals against somebody or more multiple times in the French League. I'm here for it. I'm here to watch it. I know they're going to probably flame out in the quarterfinals, but Galtier is up to something. He has made this the most, you know, the Harlem Globetrotters, the highlight reel team. Harlem Globetrotters never lose. But it's a little different. Uh, I, I You've got to watch PSG games. You've got to. And I'm going to start doing that, which is difficult because I already have a lot on my plate. Soccer OG podcast. Rate, review, download, subscribe, tell a friend. Check out the Soccer OG on YouTube. Check out the library of Soccer OG podcasts when we're all available. Right now, it's time for The Business End. J.J. Devaney of Caught Offside. back now here in the business end of the soccer OG podcast and uh, a gentleman who I got to join on his podcast that most of you not all of you are well aware of uh, caught offside uh, which uh, is you know one of the the podcasts of record here in the United States it's JJ Devaney and uh, JJ we uh, we even started off 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 recording here discussing uh, the finer elements of cheese. And I, I'm curious as to where this conversation might go, but I think we're off to a flying start. 
Oh, absolutely, Max. And uh, by the way, the, the podcast of record, that is that is an impressive title. But listen, I've heard, you know, I've heard some some things about Caught Offside. It's a it's a true success story. A lot of people tune into it. A lot of people I know say listen to Caught Offside. Yeah, no, I I I hear that. And in the last year, much to the chagrin of Andrew, because I don't think it's happened to him, people have stopped me in social settings and asked, Are you JJ hearing my voice? And then saying they listen to the podcast, which is incredibly nice. I was at a restaurant and sitting outside during the summer and a guy walks by with a Liverpool jersey. So I, I, I tap my chest just to give him the, you know, uh, yes. up for wearing that. He nods at me. His partner or wife was behind him. And she goes, oh, my God, are you JJ? And I said, I am. And straight away, my mind was racing. Where do I know this person from? Good Lord. <laughs> And then she goes, I just listened to you an hour ago. And um, it's, it's, an in, it's an incredibly nice thing. I, I, like looking at our numbers, I believe a lot of people listen to us. But, you know, me and Andrew are deeply cynical. So unless people actually stop us and tell us, Max, we don't, you believe, don't believe it. it. No, no. <laughs> I think what we, we take away from all this is there are a lot more people listen and, and watch this sport and are intertwined with it than we give credit for. I, oh, I got, 100%. I get, I get a similar thing from when I worked at Fox. Cause I truly believe and I, people listening here are rolling their eyes. Cause I bring this up all the time. I truly believe that I was broadcasting to an audience of one. Cause I said, no one has this channel. I keep being told no one, no, they have it. And I was, I could not be more wrong. Oh, completely wrong. And, uh, if you talk to immigrants who've been here in the last 15 years, um, even longer, your voice. Um, I nearly said our dearly departed Tommy Smith. He is not <laughs> departed. Can I, I don't know why I said that. I just haven't heard from him in a while. But Tommy Smith, Derek Ray, um, you guys probably thought there weren't that many people listening to you, but there were an awful lot. Uh, a lot of Americans, a lot of people from other countries. And um, yeah, it was uh, just like we said when we had you on the podcast. It was like the almost the basis. It set the table for everything yeah. we have now. And it's crazy because it's changed so much so quickly. And, um, you know, Derek Gray is a great example of a guy who's been broadcasting for so long. And I can't tell you how invaluable he is because uh, he knows who he's broadcasting to. And he's done that for a long time. And that's important, as do you, as do I. And uh, you, there's a lot of layers to being effective in that role. And I think people, I'll just use Derek as an example, who's been a guest on here and He's uh, people are familiar and or can relate. And that's that makes him really valuable to our soccer space. Tommy, by the way, I was at ESPN and they had a retirement party. Go, oh, Tommy, I know you want to retire. He goes, I don't want to retire. No, <laughs> they, they're retiring. <laughs> and that was I'd a grumpy say, pundits. Oh, I'd say that was an awkward uh, retirement party for a man who did not want to go. And and look, he's gone on. He, he worked with uh NBC in Philadelphia for a few years. He's on Sirius all the time. Um, like a famous phrase from, from Irish history. Uh, he hasn't gone away, you know, and he's not, he, he didn't want to leave. I know from speaking to him, but why would he? That man has more energy than 25, 25 year olds. I, I could not agree more. And he has that equity with his audience and he's still alert. He's, he, he talks and proceeds a lot younger than I ever would. Uh, oh, he has his Max. faculties well beyond mine. Oh, Max, and there's nothing funnier, though, when you, you log on to Twitter and, and, and Tommy, uh, you know, he follows us both and, and we follow him back. So every now and again, you'll see a listener from like Nairobi 
get into it with Tommy Smith over Manchester United. And at the end of it, he'll say, respect you, Tommy, been listening to you for years. Yes. Have to disagree. And I'm like, this guy is serious cachet. You could not walk with Tommy in the Caribbean. If you were in like, because ESPN wow. was so big and still is. And ESPN FC is, I mean, the show of record on the TV side. Yeah. Uh, and I spent some of those like Dan Thomas and Shaka, well, Shaka Hislop without saying, without question as is, but someone like Tommy Smith would probably have a hard time going through the streets in uh, Jamaica or Trinidad or Barbados. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but uh, the guy. Know, I loved it. I loved it though, because, um, cause Tommy had his pomp, you know, you know, Tommy's background coming over as an Irish immigrant in the sixties, working odd jobs. He'll tell you the stories himself. Um, and really parlaying, you know, making a career out of something that was almost a hobby for him at Gaelic Park doing commentary and things like that, then turn it into a profession. But, you know, Tommy, Tommy wouldn't have the inferiority complex that maybe someone like me would have. You know, he would have none of that. Absolutely none of that. And, you know, him going head to head with like one of the joy ends of, of English football at the time in, in Andy Gray. I mean, Andy, there wasn't a bigger voice yeah. in, in football commentary uh, up until 2011 uh, when, when the controversy went down with him and Key and, and Richard, and Richard Keys. Keys, yeah. Yeah, other than, he was the biggest and Tommy's on there and what was it they went head-to-head over? Van Nistelrooy. And like Tommy <laughs> holding his ground like and holding his opinion with, with one of the, you know, the big hitters in sports um, across the water. No, Tommy was fearless. Wow. By the way, Richard Keys and Andy Gray, amazing. And, and I know they still are with, I think they're in Qatar doing... They are something with BN, yeah. BN and they'll cover the world cup. But though, I mean, Andy, he's just like the, the preeminent guy talking to you about football at the bar and hearing it go. Yeah. Yeah. Let's go. Let's get another pint, that kind of thing. And, and um, it was very good. And by the way, Tommy, I know the, I, I can't believe we're having this free form on Tommy Smith. Why not? <laughs> well, Tommy, they go, well, he didn't, he didn't really play the game at a high level. Uh, and I, everyone's like, okay. And then I'm like, does it really matter? I mean, he knows the sport. He watches more than guys that would do that. And now we have so many analysts that don't play at every network. There are guys that either didn't play it or didn't play at eye level. And do we, does it matter? It's, no, I don't. Yeah. I, I really don't think it does. And um, in some I, cases, yes, I don't yes, want to diminish think, that. Well, let, let me qualify that. I think there's like, I think if I'm, if I'm talking to Shaka Hislop about an FA cup final, I can't talk to say Marco from IFTV about that. He wouldn't know, but um, in terms of like maybe the culture and the, the inside things of, of football, Marco at IFTV, just using him as an example, he might be able to get inside that a little bit more. And I would say that coming out of the Keys and Gray era, there were, and I, you know, I'm not going to name any names, but there were a slew of ex-players who came on TV and just kind of gave you the cliches. Yeah. You know, a very bland. Most of them didn't survive. Some of them have hung on in there. Um, but like not everyone is Carraher and Neville. Uh, you know, that's not everyone. Right, by the way, how big have they gotten? I mean, you look at the traffic for every time they have a conversation, you throw Roy Keat in there. Oh, that my it's God. in it gets a million views in a pair of hours. Obviously, that's the power I of would, Sky Sports. I would never disparage the work that NBC do. Uh, but I I I had to I have to admit, I had that feeling last night, Max, with Manchester United and Liverpool, where you've gone to the break, and I'm like, Keane, Neville, and Carragher <laughs> so so are on the sideline, and I can't see them now. I'm only going to hear later on. And I'm like, 
And then you see Ronaldo is coming up in the warm up up to Keane <laughs> to like pay his respects. He's like the Don. He's like Don Corleone. You know, I'm. It was unbelievable. When, when Casemiro came up, Casemiro gave him a hug that he would that Casemiro would give to family. Yes. You know? and Very just warm. Recognizing Keane's place in the, in the, in the pantheon of great midfielders, and it it was almost like that that Don Corleone moment. I expected him to give him a bag of oranges. There were three viral moments. There was obviously the Ronaldo where he ghosted Carragher. <laughs> Which Jamie took beautifully. And oh, he's yeah, funny. I mean, it was so it was hilarious. Then they had the Casemiro hug. And then they have the Eric Ten Hag f bomb. I was like, that's like a that's like a month's worth of viral sensations in a two hour window. Unbelievable. I mean that, that we've seen sideline boots before our sideline uh, interviews and stuff that and nothing's happened. I mean the most memorable one for ESPN when Rebecca was there, where Rebecca Lowe was there, was when. A Leeds were playing an FA Cup game against Arsenal, and the, one of the Leeds players, I'm convinced, deliberately clocked Martin Keown from 40 yards with the ball. Yeah, that's but, right, I remember. Yeah, that that's about as as hot as it usually got, or maybe someone to put the sprinklers on. But last night was just, wow. it was unbelievable. I was on YouTube, I couldn't get to sleep watching it. And, it was, and it was. Um, look, I'm gonna go out of, I'm gonna go out of uh, a chronological order here, talking about some topics. We brought up this Manchester United game, and um. Everyone was watching it, and I, and I know you. I'm going to listen to the pod with you and Andrew. I want to get Andrew on the this pod. We talked about when you I was on yours. To. I said I can't have you both because it'll feel like caught offside. So I'm going to hit you individually. Yeah, no, definitely. That definitely. way, I get a two and, for one. And also, I can speak <laughs> ill of him. He can speak ill of me, and never the twain shall meet. It'll never be. How did How did you two meet? Um, we were put together by Justin Craig, who was the head of uh, yes. the radio station at ESPN New York for the 2014 World Cup. So I had that's just, okay. I was just barely off the boat and um, you just got in from Ireland. Oh yeah. I, I landed in, uh, I got Cause you have a complete time. American accent now. So it's, a, it's, it's already er, er, eroded away. Oh yeah. There's no, there's, <laughs> you would never know. I mean, although again, the aforementioned Tommy Smith, I mean, if I can hold on to it as long as Tommy has, um, yeah, no, I, I was, don't let it go. <laughs> I, I, I got in in November, 2013, very cold winter. I remember. And, um, yeah, I was, it's like anything in New York. I, I had obviously done media work back in Ireland, but it's about finding someone you can talk to. And, uh, a friend of mine, uh, who I have to mention, Brian Conahan, um, he's one of those guys in New York where he goes, I know a guy and within 15 minutes, you'll have a meeting the next day or phone call. And it doesn't guarantee you're getting the job or it doesn't guarantee he's, he's help, you're getting helped out, but he's put you in touch with a guy and the rest is up to you. And so he put me in touch with Justin Craig. Justin Craig had an interview. He wanted to listen to some of my, my tape from back home. And then he took me and Andrew out for lunch. And I, w I would say almost immediately we hit it off. I thought Andrew was a bit quiet and reserved at the start, which he was. He was just sussing me out, you know. Yeah. But um, no, we we Andrew was actually going for a vacation in Ireland then, and uh, I said, "When you come back, let's let's start this thing. Let's do it." And he goes, "He goes great," and um, it kind of kicked on from there, really. Um, yeah, that that was that was the start of it. So me, me and Andrew, myself and Andrew, have gotten on very well from the beginning, um, and we've never. We've pretty much never wavered too much from that. We we irritate each other rather than genuinely annoy, which I think is key. Well, yeah, that, that, but there has to be some irritation to make a good podcast. I think with, oh, with two yeah. people, kind of people nodding at each other, going, "Yeah, yeah, no. right, no, no, no." I, I, that is not, not going to cut it. Now, 
it's important just just while we're on this road. I know you want to go back to Manchester United and Liverpool, but no, 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 we, this is a this is a free form. Yeah, it, like it is important that you you as much as you possibly can. Like there are certain things we will put into the rundown to to poke at each other, but um, manufactured outrage, I think, might have had its day. Mm. And I think it might have had its day. Outrage is always like anger between two people is always good because it gives you that tense feeling. But if if you're deliberately trying to emote in a very obvious fashion, that I I honestly think people are too they they don't want that anymore. I, I that would be my view. Like when Stephen A goes off on one, that's a different thing. When Don LaGreca goes off on one on the radio, like that's coming from a place, a real place. But you know, oh my god. Like when I sometimes when I see guys like troops, I'm like, you can't listen. I and I'm I, I'm not going to put myself. I've probably done that in the past where we we felt, all have. We've yeah. all said we've got to let's argue about or someone's got to argue about something. I look at the sure. rundown. Here's the one. Yeah, <laughs> and uh, it's but you what you what you 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 need to be passionate about what you're it talking does. About. But and when you see that passion, that's the best. That's the best this forum ever gets. When you see people arguing, I love it when it's so petty. And they're just going at it. Oh, what was it? There was one recently with uh, uh, it was Gary Neville and not Carragher. Um, who's a Liverpool? Another Liverpool player that kind of does punditry. Oh, uh, was it Sunes and Carragher? Or... No, shoot. I'll I'll circle back to that. But but now we're back on these rails about the podcast. So I'll probably <laughs> we'll go back to Manchester United. So yeah, 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 yeah. See, this how it works. People are going bananas, but I, they get the idea of it. Uh, but I thought you guys were around longer than that. No, that's no, uh, 20, yeah, 2014, but like that's that's pushing on, that's eight years now. It was eight years in May, um, which is a long time. And every week, and we haven't missed a week, be it vacations, bar mitzvahs, weddings, uh, dare I say, funerals. We've never, um, yeah, we've never, we've never missed a week. And that, like, that's that is one thing we will offer is consistency. Whether you want to hear from us or not, you're gonna, you know. Well, so. it, I know, you know, doing it at a much smaller uh, time frame, but just the delight to have a moment with somebody to talk about the game in this this setting is uh, very satisfying and uh, very enjoyable. Where you can kind of talk because we always yeah. everyone we were also caught, you know, manufactured outrage is one thing, but also like. Um, small doses of everything. And I've always been very yeah. blown away about how podcasts have really inherited this space because people want a longer discussion. People don't want a quick clip or flip or whatever you call it, a quick tweet or a, a, yeah. a TikTok. And there's a, it gives you hope in how people um, uh, absorb information. And it's a two-way street because uh, in conversations like with you, remember, I learn a lot of stuff. When I listen to podcasts, I learn a lot of stuff That's in a very quick manner. Yes, you get it. It it just absorbs quicker than than anything else. What have you learned about the the forum that it may have surprised you about why it's a is it effective as it is? Um, I I didn't realize getting into it that it was so personal to people. So I grew up with, and I I'm I'm gonna guess you did too with uh, radio being king. Now radio you had it was on in the car. Um, it was. It was a constant in my life. And there was like to the point where I could tune in to talk sport in England from my bedroom in Sligo if I hit the dial just right. And I would leave talk sport on all night. I'd fall asleep listening to talk sport. And that's when that's before it became the shouty uh, anger machine that it is right now. 
Um, and I, and I would listen to that. And but I, I, I would... to your point, I think that shouty anger machine where we, we hit it, it, it blew up, but it's coming to kind of withdrawing back to more. Well, I think people want decorum. like, to, to your point, they want people to talk and have conversations as well. Even if they're contentious, they still want conversation. And, um, so, so radio was hugely personal to me. So DJs, I could list all the DJs on 2FM in Ireland. I could list all the sports guys who would come on on RT1. And it was very personal. And when I got into podcasting, I think I didn't realize this is on-demand radio. That is essentially what it is. And it's radio for people who, because radio stations have died. They are not what they used to be, certainly not in New York. Um, and even the sports radio stations aren't what they were. WFAN um you know doesn't have the characters were you, were you a mike and mike guy um no when i got here first i was and i gotta be careful because i i am good good friends with the guys from the michael k show on espn but when i got out here first um i was doing some soccer coaching and i was driving a lot and this was just after uh mike francesa had split with chris russo so I was a Mike and the, I said Mike and Mike. I'm sorry, Mike and the Mad Dog is what Mike I mean. I apologize. Dog. Yeah, yeah. I was. Uh, well, yeah. I, well, I I missed Mike and the Mad Dog by a year. So my first time, my first summer out here was 008. So they'd just broken up, and I could I couldn't believe what I was listening to. I I really couldn't because when it was 660, I tuned into and it was Francesa in his in his studio and just how abrupt and abrasive he was with listeners. And I thought, I thought this is a guy who's down in his basement in his house doing this. <laughs> I did not until the ads would come on WFAN. I had no idea that it was like a legit, I said, like, what is this? And it kind of sucked me into a whole world. Um, but yeah, to, to circle back um, po podcasting, the, how personal it is and, and, and interactions with listeners, like, I, I would say the most feedback we've ever got is I'd love to have a pint with JJ and Andrew. It's like, brilliant. Like that is a very, very personal thing. And they feel like they're part of the conversation. And I had completely underplayed that. And when I get snippy, which I do sometimes on Twitter, which I shouldn't because not everyone's having a go. Uh, <laughs> Twitter is not a, Twitter is not a forum forum for nuance, but I should pull back and think, or I've tried to now to pull back and say, these are listeners. Um, they may not be articulating their, their, themselves in the most friendly manner, but what you're doing is actually quite important to them. And I don't mean, I don't want to be like, you know, in a kind of Pollyanna, this is the most important thing in the world. But if you spend 45 minutes with someone every week or, or when, on, when we do multiple podcasts in a week over two to three hours, that means something to them. And you establish a relationship, even if you don't know about it. That's what struck me about podcasting over the last few years that um, people care and um, and they think that they're part of, of of the conversation. I mean, which they are. Yeah, <laughs> I was like you say whether they are or not. We're, we're paying yeah, attention. Uh, that's a what's a great answer, JJ. And um, it's interesting to hear this this Irish kid who's now thrown into New York and listening to <laughs> drops of Don LaGreca because I came from LA and I. I I got the ESPN job and I remember Justin Craig too does a great job and uh, it's just, good that he had a good eye on for people who really knew the sport to do that. So it's good. We have people in those places that are uh, um, capable of making the right decisions. Uh, but um, I yeah, came Don, to New York. Sorry, go ahead. No, sorry, I just, I just want to mention like Don um, and another good grounding for me was to come in 
So, so that summer of 2014, I'd come in and we'd record maybe in the afternoon after the games we'd seen in the World Cup with the time difference in Brazil. And, uh, or we'd watch a game together. And I, I would sit in and I'd watch Don and I'd watch Peter and I'd watch Michael. And, uh, you know, well, I, Peter hadn't joined at the time, but I'd, I'd watch Don and, and, and Michael in the studio doing their thing. And, and I learned a lot, a lot there as well. That's great. Because well, I, I, I didn't know any about, anything about it. And when I got to ESPN, they had a Mike and the Mad Dog like, 30 for 30. And I got, I don't know, yeah. I've never heard this in my life. Oh, and it's very regionalized, but you see the power of it. And everyone in those tri-state areas listens to these guys. Their yeah. audience is yeah. bigger than I, most national audience radio personalities. I mean, you've got, you've got 8 million people in the tri-state area. I mean, 12 million all in, and they're all hanging on the word of, of, of these two guys. And it's, I mean, some of it, if, if, if you go, if you get a chance to go back and listen to, um, interviews on YouTube, I'd recommend you go back and you hear from, I think it's from 1990, Hal, um, Mr. Steinbrenner, George Steinbrenner, talking to um, Mike and the Mad Dog, right? And they're talking about the state of the Yankees. And these two guys who, again, never, never through <laughs> It helps if you like the Yankees when you listen to these guys. <laughs> oh, yeah. But, but, they, but they go after Steinbrenner like over his lack of success, but George, but George, and they're pulling him back in and they're, you know, taking him to task. I mean, who, a guy who would become probably the most powerful man in baseball by the yeah. end of the, by the end of the nineties. And they're just completely uh, piling on him. So I would, yeah. I would like to think I could do that, but my history's proven that I, I'll, I'll let these people off the hook where I wouldn't come in too hard. And I wish I had more of that in me. Maybe I need to develop it. I, I have regrets in that regard too. Uh, we, had, we had Bruce Grubler on the podcast. Liverpool, great goalkeeper. I, I mean, probably the most famous goalie, the most well-known goalkeeper sure. in England in, in the eighties and the nineties. And we had him in and, you know, it's the club who set it up for you or it's somebody in there, you know, he's doing a tour and he's an, he's a nice guy. And I, I bought uh -oh. I never asked him about the controversy at the end of his career where he, uh, it was alleged that he took bribes to let goals in. You remember that? Yeah. And you didn't ask him that. No. And you felt like you should have. Oh, come on. Like yeah. I've done that. Career. Guilty, man. I'm yeah. guilty of it. But we got to ask those questions. Oh, 100%. And, and um, they're expecting it really at the end of the day. They are expecting it. And you let your audience down a little bit when you don't do it. And I, I genuinely felt... And then another time we had Bruce Arena on and I thought right after when he was launching his book, so some months, maybe four or five months, six months when things were still really raw after what happened in, in Trinidad and Tobago and not qualifying. And I thought we did a really fair down the line interview with him and, and we pressed him. I thought hard enough without being rude wasn't enough. People wanted a crucifixion on oh, the air. I had the same, I think I did the same interview with him around the same time and yeah. I did the same thing. And people wanted more. I remember that clearly. I felt really bad. I go, maybe I should have thought more. I go, man, we were kind of, it was a tough situation. And we, you know, well, Max, we were very we... pointed with these questions. It's not like we were going to poke fun or. But we asked him what went wrong after the one, one draw in the Azteca people were like, we, I mean, people in our industry were, were tweeting. That's why he's the manager. Now, you know, it goes to, it goes to the Azteca, gets the one, one draw. It's clear sailing from here. And we asked him what went wrong between then and, and the end of the campaign. And what, what, like, you can't go on and say, like, people wanted to go on and call him, you effing, you look what you've done. But, like, but 
we're professionals. We we can't do that. We have to be fair. We have to be objective. And um, but yeah, Bruce Grobler. Oh yeah, that one. That one is going to stick with me. If I get the chance again, I will ask him. Well, I'm I, Bruce Grobler would be a great launching pad for Manchester United, Liverpool. But I I, I wouldn't. The Bruce Arena things made me think of something else. And the the thirst for blood for an American soccer audience, which I think is a good thing. You know, they they're very demanding. Uh, more so than in the past, at least on social media, which is the most visible uh, medium. And, you know, there's, they're not taking any, it's too serious now. There's not, they're not taking any, any uh, half measures with regards to who should make the national team or why this is happening or why is there not massive changes here? And you know, there should be in some yeah. cases, but uh, the thirst for that, and again, Always. I think it's good, but sometimes it, it just gets counterproductive and, you have these conversations. I go, that doesn't work. It doesn't work this way. And it doesn't work this way anywhere in the world where, uh, you know, but we they want... want us to bulldoze on their they behalf, do. Max. I see, I, you, I, can't. I see your Twitter all the time. You get, you get the same, maybe not the same because you have a bigger following. I, you get the part of it. I, you get the interactions. Cause I know the audience that sometimes I'll, I'll overstep things and I'll, I'll rattle them when, for instance, um, there's this constant, uh, chorus of why is Aaron long in, in, in there or why? And I go, dude, he's really good. And then, and, and one person hears it and the next person, and then I'll, or I'll, I'll pop in with something that he did just to say, Hey, okay, let's just cool off the jets. And I know I'm going to get a pushback and that's part of the appeal. I guess it is, yeah. which I shouldn't, a man of my age shouldn't be looking at that for <laughs> an afternoon delight, so to speak. To get some people I, I know, riled but up, it is, it is, or John is, Brooks was another one. I just rile people up with John Brooks. Yeah, but but there's there's guys that, that follow and listen to us, and look, no answer, no reasoning, no um, like for example, uh, we recorded a podcast this morning that's out right now, and we I just wanted to do a little piece on Tim Ream, who had another great weekend, and I know what I'm going to get now from that. Yes, and I just said, I just said right at the end of the piece, I said, look. I'm not talking Tim Ream at left back. I don't want him there either. But if we've got a hole at center back and we need an experienced guy, look what he's doing right now. It's only a few months. He's not going to get that much older. He's very experienced. He's not going to suddenly be a crock. Uh, but you know you're going to get people in your ear about it, like failure, championship defender. Uh, yeah. Uh, when, when the guy shows up and you see USMNT in his handle and you see the American flag buckle up, Buckle. I saw I, I saw the Fulham Liverpool game, and I saw Wolves Fulham. So most of those games, the majority of that game, yeah. and Tim Ream, it's it's not just it's such a it's a people are gonna if they're arguing about Tim Ream, I don't know if he gets on the national team, but maybe he's deserved it. But I watched these games, and I was watching. This is gonna sound crazy to me. A top ten center back in the world, but what he did in those yeah. two games, intercepting. Repelling balls, uh, muscling out forwards, being in position he constantly. The league in interceptions over it, the three games. He has 15. And that was Liverpool. Maybe the Liverpool result doesn't carry the weight it, it did at the beginning of the season. But I saw a guy that looked like a defender that you would put on the highest pedestal. Virgil van Dijk, uh, whomever that is. It was just uh, Varane, these kind of guys. That's what he looked like. I'm not saying he is. Right. But with his workload... That's what it reminded well, me of. Well, I did so if, weird to say that. 
if you want to to give your phone a workout, tweet that exactly <laughs> tonight. See what happens. Okay. Let's talk uh, uh, Manchester United, Liverpool. And... Oh, shall we? Yeah. Well, first of all, I wanted to say what a delight it was to turn on this game. And I know it's a big fixture, but at the time, you know, Manchester United are second from the bottom. It's two games, I know. Liverpool not looking good either, 13th. Yeah, and I turned this on and it felt like the Super Bowl. And it felt bigger than even past Man United, Liverpool's probably because of all the disappointment surrounding. And I I flipped over, you know, there's not that shot at CBS was doing Juventus, the Juventus game. I think they're playing Sampdoria. And I turned it, it was very, it was at a very low level. And I switched over to the NBC and I, and I know it's not Sky Sports, but even then they were, it just felt like this immense occasion. And it's just a testament to that league that you get a game like that. And obviously Peter Drury's the best in the business and he's painting this picture in that stadium where you're like absolutely captivated. Uh, That was a big part of it. The other part I I would ask you now, get your thoughts. And we talk about the Twitter reaction and just being, and again, I don't want everything to surround social media, but just the reaction from the media as well, that Manchester United were ready to be thrown out to the dumpster. They were bad and they deserved the pushback, but people were like giving them a funeral. Mm. And I was like, wait a minute, it's two games. And they're not there where they need to have a long way to go. But you have a new coach. You have a Casemiro on his way. You probably have a couple guys like Anthony or someone else. And I'm not saying they're going to win the Premier League. I'm not even saying they're winning the top four. But this idea that this team just should be tossed out in its entirety, which was a lot of what I was hearing, hearing was uh, absolute folly. And this result kind of evened it out. But I, I was, I understand it's Manchester United and the standard has to be very high. And they deserve that criticism. But it was so beyond the pale in many ways. I've never yeah. heard it that bad. Yeah, I think it's important. It's important always when you talk about Manchester United to fact in that everyone else is talking about Manchester United. Yeah. Like, no, like they they drive and they know it. Like, there's no bad day for Manchester United in terms of impressions on social media. No, there isn't. Um, You're right. There was a there was an atmosphere last night, so they had a protest, um, but it wasn't going to be what the last protest was, which literally stopped the game. Um, this protest was going to be we're going to protest the Glazers and then we're going to go sit in our seats. And Andy Robertson, interesting that you, you, you thought about how big this game is. It is a big game. It's the biggest game in English football. But it was interesting that Andy Robertson said when they were warming up that it was the quietest he'd ever heard Old hmm. Trafford, oh. which was fascinating to me because I guess after the nervous, after the energy of the, the protest, they came into the ground and the stark reality was there that they, they felt they were going to get hammered. I mean, they must have some serious kind of... Um, PTSD from last season, or the 5 0 hammering. I mean, Liverpool have gone to Old Trafford in the past, um, 09 under Benitez and 1 4 1, but never as comprehensive as that. Not since 5 0 was such a tonking. And then the game doesn't turn out like that, like that at all. And I said on the podcast, I felt the crowd usually gives energy. Sometimes, well, often it's the team gets the crowd going. And the way they pressed, the way they hassled, um, the way they shut Liverpool down, even like <laughs> Lissandro uh, Martinez just like puffing his chest out, elbowing Salah straight, you know, like real kind of <laughs> real, you know. The, the Lissandro Martinez is no minor detail in the storytelling here because after the Brentford loss, I mean, I've never seen it. And I'm, I would be lying to you that I saw some of the social media about him and I didn't Ooh. chuckle or laugh. Like the, the the Lilliputians and all this stuff, because he's a small center forward. He's 5'8". Five, five. Well, how would you like? Well, I mean, Roberto Ayala was. I, 
I wanted it to stop, but some of it I had to kind of cover my mouth. I go, that is so, so cold blooded. And it kept going. And imagine, imagine hearing for 10 days because it yes, went on before. That. You know, he heard it. Is that you're short. Like, imagine yeah. that. He goes, like, I know sure I'm short. <laughs> crazy stuff and um and, but what, and he, what, he, a, what a moment for him huh in that game ran, to be the best player on the field arguably oh he ran so hard and he defended so well that he was literally cramping up at the end now interesting stat that i didn't use on the podcast but i'll use it right here i mean united ran 18 was it 18 kilometer more than they did against brentford last night like that's so that all the talk about the lack of effort which is you, you, I'd hate to think that Manchester United took the, the field on Brentford and were like indifferent. And I, I have a very difficult time believing that. But 18 kilometers yeah. suggests as, that as, maybe as they team. did. But I, I mean, you can make up some of that in leaving out and leaving out Cristiano Ronaldo. But you can't make up the entire 18 in that sense. So, so like they were pumped for it, and it's it's just one of those. Now, what United have to do going forward is make sure this isn't a kind of a, a closed capsule where it's that one result. Like, I'm convinced any team in the Premier League and the top half of the championship can get up for one game and get a victory. If, like, I'm convinced of that. Any team can psych themselves. But it's, it's as Roy Keane says, it's doing it week in and week out. And they had a very, um, how shall I put this, a very willing and very pliable and amenable guest at, at Old Trafford last night in Liverpool who were just so far off it. Now, United had to be up to that pitch because as bad as Liverpool were, they still, you know, they still only conceded twice and scored a goal themselves. So they were still a danger. But um, it was a perfect storm for United. They were right at it and Liverpool were way off it. And, uh, and Ten Hag gets the result that gives him a rung on the ladder, gets him up out of the pit. Yeah, and I tend to think that Liverpool... It, it's part of it. And this is just strange time. So we can't be prisoners of the moment and say, this is how the Premier League is going to look. I think it's going to look a lot different with the exception of Man City doing their part. I think Arsenal is going to be really good. Are they going to be the top of the ladder? Probably not. But um, hopefully West Ham's not going to be at the bottom. <laughs> I can't, I can't sit. I cannot sit and watch another of their games. It's, it's absolute torture yeah. as a fan. You're like, they're not going to score in this game and they're not coming close. So, but they'll get better. And I know that, but I guess we'll find out Manchester United at Southampton. You want to see that effort, but I mean, Liverpool too, is this, we'll still talk about Manchester United. I, I, I tend to think most people aren't too alarmed with Liverpool. You figure it's going to, am I wrong uh, about that? Uh, I, I think if you're in the online space now, we're, we're back into, into transfers and how do you end up sending out a midfield of Milner, Henderson and, and, uh, and Harvey Elliott? which is just not very mobile. There's not a lot of verve there. And then why is Fabinho, if he's fit for 45 minutes, why wouldn't you start him for an hour like, and, and then take him off? It, but the idea that he'd come on is, and came on at 2-0 down, I think, was, is strange to me. Um, but there'll be the argument, 80 million was spent on the center forward and this midfield, like leaving the Stade de France in May, apart from the fact I didn't want to get murdered or get involved in any trouble with the police. And scene. The, the other thought in my head was, ah, we've got problems in midfield. And you've got Thiago. I mean, Naby Keita ran the show last year at Old Trafford. He's just injured too much, and now he won't renew his contract. So there's a whole thing going on there. You see a 19-year-old coming on in Carvalho. I mean, it's just... It's the, the squad's a bit imbalanced. And then last night you saw that Virgil van Dijk 
just not at it. Wasn't at it last night. Certainly it wasn't at it in, in terms of the goal. And you have James Milner getting into his face to try and rile him, rouse him from his torpor. And then you have Trent Alexander-Arnold just like no better a defender than he was five years ago. So all it's all kind of happening. And yeah, he, he's been exposed on some videos where you're like, Oh boy, that's uh <laughs> yeah, that, yeah. You can't so, do that. Or you've got to do better there. I, I, absolutely. Max. Speaking so, of I, I, Alexander Arnold. Yeah. And also going to the well every single year. Um, has that worn them down? And they played in every possible game they could have played last year, 60 something, whatever it was. Um, I, and I, you know, I know the the guys will be out there who'll say, what's he talking about? You just spent 80 million on, on Darwin Nunes. Well, someone had to go for that to come in. We had to sell Sadio Mane to make up part of that. This isn't a club that spends willy-nilly. The, the two most important signings maybe in, in the last 10 years have been the goalkeeper, Allison and the centre-back, Virgil van Dijk. Those signings don't happen if you don't get 125 million for Felipe Coutinho. So, it's you know, this is a team that is in terms of the ownership, very much balanced on, okay, if, if someone's coming in, who's going out? We've seen Jeannie Wijnaldum leave the club. Um, you know, it's not, I suppose, it, it's not going to be the kind of spending that we see at City or that we see at Chelsea or indeed that we see at United. And so if it's not going to be that, can you keep going to the well every year with the squad? And maybe they've hit the buffers. And it's remarkable that they've had this run that they've had based on that, because it's absolutely true that yeah. they have to balance the books more so than these other clubs where look at Manchester United right now. They go, what do you want for Anthony? And it, the money, despite what we hear about the purses, there's money being spent at a, at a pretty astronomical level. And definitely is. It, it, it just the Premier League, you know, it, I thought it wasn't maybe three years ago it was it was lacking a bit and it got better and better. And this year, whether the play is better, it's just so compelling so many clubs that you care. I mean, in, in addition to the big four, big six, now you have Newcastle that you have to kind of pay attention and Leeds United, which yeah. is like a, I guess a launching point. And it's uh, again, uh, when I go to social media and the, and I look, I'm the worst. And I'm sure you've seen it. It's the flag waving for the U S because it, it really, it, it touches me like no other to see this. Cause I never thought I would see it. Right. And it's specifically with this Chelsea result, where you have two American players that are as important to that result, plus the manager who put them in this position, who quite really, he was a, a bad 20 minutes away from being three wins out of three in top of the ladder with Arsenal. It's, uh, it's, it's a moment in time that I think is going to reshape the way Americans are brought into these top European leagues. I think with Jesse's done, even a small sample size going back to last season, uh, other American managers might be brought up in a discussion or in an interview process that may not have happened. And certainly players without question, not just the players, the American players, but the MLS players, because you can't forget about Jack Harrison. I think about Patrick Vieira, who didn't come directly to Crystal Palace from MLS, but did have those MLS ties. These yeah. are all things that when you're a scout, when you're a manager or a or a technical director, you all keep in mind when you look at your books and say, all right, this guy played here in MLS. Oh, the Ameri okay, this makes sense because there's a lot that there's a lot of evidence that says uh, I'm not taking a huge risk if I'm going that direction. So that was like a three in one all together to beat a Chelsea team. And I would say Chelsea, this could have been much different. Raheem Sterling had that offside call. He had a, a, a goal. He probably should sure. finish nine out of 10 times and that changes everything. But once Chelsea gave him that shot, this Leeds takeover was something I never thought I would see. Yeah. Um, just just to circle back to what you're saying about coaches, I, I do think, I mean, 
we've all had a kind of very close view of Jesse Marsh's rise. And my concern for him was that, you know, he'd come up in the Red Bull system. And I'm not just, I'm not saying that you can't be an individual in that system, but there is a, there's a template there. And he walked into a team with some, uh, at Salzburg with some excellent players. So, um, and just because he failed in the Bundesliga or it didn't work out, you know, I, th I think now what's happened is they're not going to look at that and say, okay, guy, guy, American uh, manager has come, he's come to this league, hasn't worked out. Don't, don't go for him. Like look at Patrick Vieira. Nice wasn't exactly perfect. I mean, it, it, the club had its own troubles, but it's not like Vieira tore up any trees there, but Crystal Palace still were going to give him the job. So, uh, you know, and essentially Vieira is a, cut his teeth in, a, in, in MLS. I, I think Bob Bradley, when you see, when you see that with the way that went. It, uh, that, I, that was still like a, a, a weird dream that had even occurred. I remember getting I the news and I was like, him. what? Yes. It was done. Uh, it was done very poorly. And, and as much as people have talked about Marsh and I think we in the media have to stop talking about Ted Lasso. I mean, <laughs> I love Grant Wall. I love reading his stuff, but that, that piece he did about, about, uh, about Marsh as Ted Lasso. I don't think that does oh, anybody. No. Any no, you can't. We, we're the ones that have to diffuse that before anyone we else. We have to stop that because um, quite, quite apart from the fact that the show does very little for me, I think, you're not a fan of Ted Lasso? No, no. No, I'm not. I, I watched it and look, I try to like and I enjoy it. I enjoy yeah. it. But I, I I wish sometimes when it the, the English characters, it feels like an English sitcom, which I've kind of seen. And I, I, I like the Ted Lasso fish out of water stuff. I want to see more of that. Yeah. Uh, but for, for me, um, I could see the jokes coming. I yeah. could see them coming. And I didn't laugh. That was the thing. It was never. It was never going to be a show that would was going to open up. You know, I'm, I'm not. I'm not there for realistic interpretations of soccer. It, but it did. It, honestly, it didn't make me laugh. Now I'm my my comedy uh, stylings might be wired a little bit differently. And who's and your go-to com comedian? Oh, geez, Bill Burr. Bill Burr. <laughs> I love Bill Great. Burr. All I, all I half of my day is people sending me clips uh, on Bill Burr on direct message. It's oh, he's amazing. Bill yeah. Burr um, is an Irish comic that I love. Um, uh, Dylan Moran, um, and you know, it just I suppose for a while, not not lately, probably not in the last five or six years, but I used to love Ricky Gervais as well. So yes. that's it. It's a little, it's a little bit different in, in, in self-deprecating humor that I I'm a big fan of that. Yeah, I am as well too. Um, and, and some of the hokey schmaltzy stuff doesn't, doesn't land so well with me, but to each their own, but we, we need to, we need to probably unplug ourselves a bit from that in the media and making the constant references. Cause I do see it an awful lot from yeah. people. And I'm like, we, we're the, we're the guiltiest ones of prolonging the stereotypes. It really oh, I is. Think, and I think so. And we should stop getting upset uh, about what are, or even worried about what English people may think about, what the way we view soccer over here i mean who gives yeah them? honestly we have to move on from that talk because because the players have and this manager has um but 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 going back to marsh i think he's i i mean that's that's probably the biggest win leads have had since they've come back up it oh, definitely yeah. is Man, i know they beat manchester that's chelsea city. for crying out loud yeah. yeah i know they beat manchester city but i think i think that was jordan I think that was during the pandemic period. I'm not even sure there was anyone in the ground for that one. So that definitely has a different feel. This was a full house against, against dirty, you know, dirty Leeds versus their hated rival Chelsea. So <laughs> it was huge. Yeah. Um, and and I, the Leeds and fans, think, we, I, some of the podcasts I listened to and some snippets from Leeds fans, and they just adore all three of those. 
Americans that are on the team. And that's the part that I think you, oh, you look yeah. at the most at how content uh, they are. With, no, uh, I, I would ask uh, if we're if we're doing um, if if on our side we're going to stop banging on about Ted Lasso. I would ask any team going forward now that has an American in their side at the end of the game, don't play. Born oh, in the USA, don't do it. <laughs> like that is just you are you Thank are you. not reading that song correctly. <laughs> it's, it's, not. it's like uh, there's a Heineken commercial with uh, the Rosenbergs, the motor. They're the F1 drivers and the yeah. father and the son, Nicole and they're playing and Cats yeah. in the Cradle, and they're together. And I go, you don't understand what that song's about. It's a Heineken no. ad. I love Heineken, but that song's about a father not spending any time with his son, and, and then the having massive person. regrets when the son yes. just kind of leaves him in it's his. It's you're you're, in a, you're usually shed a tear at the end of that song. But... I, I'm thinking about the uh, I'm, the minute that comes on, and be, I'm, I'm thinking about oh my god, how have we treated our veterans and mistakes in U.S. foreign policy? That's not born in the not, USA. Yeah, don't go, don't go down like Miley uh, Cyrus. Uh, it's a party in the USA. Do anything. Yeah, but yeah. Don't do that one. Do it's a like USA a, chant. It's like at weddings for a while. One by you two was the first dance. Guaranteed divorce. <laughs> Guaranteed divorce. What are you doing? You know, it's like oh. uh, it's crazy, but um. I, yeah, I, I thought I thought Marsh, uh, you know, the way he made that game, I think it was Mike Goodman on Twitter pointed out, the way he made that game chaotic was brilliant. Yeah, that's a and, great shout. Uh, and the way he upset Tuchel's system. Because I was drinking with some Leeds fans for the first game, and a friend of mine who'd, you know, hardcore Leeds supporter, home and away when he lived in, in Wales, he would make the journey all the time, wherever they were playing. And he said to me, my big worry, Jay, is we can't play out. If we can't play out through a team, we're goosed. And so Tuchel's idea was to make sure they couldn't play out. And it worked for a little bit. It's certainly in around the, the disallowed Raheem Sterling goal. And then they just made that ball pinged around. Chelsea wanted control. Look at the rhythm they played with against Tottenham. All that was gone. And it was down to the pressing of, of Aronson, the snapping tackles of Tyler and, and uh, Tyler Adams and Roca in midfield and... Um, he got it right, and 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 it annoyed Tuchel to the point where he just wouldn't admit it in the post match. Like, yeah, like Marsh that got bothered it right. him. Yeah, Marsh he got under his skin. Marsh is an interesting guy because I'd like him to say less sometimes in press conferences. Agreed. Don't leave yourself open to it. Yeah, but at the same time, be mysterious, and which yeah. is going to drive people crazy. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> say less, Jesse. Um, but I've been watching him since. Um, like I used to go to the Red Bull games and. They've got the best press box in MLS. They've got a oh, great stadium. That's across oh, the... It, it's awesome. There's no bad seat in it. But I'd be down and you'd be right behind the bench. And so you can see Marsh and do his kind of pol um, polite aggressiveness. Aggressive politeness, I call it. So he, he'll dog the fourth official. Like, he'll give him all that. The fourth official will come over to speak to him. And then he'll, he'll put his hands up like, hey, I'm only asking questions. He'll check <laughs> that his feet are inside the technical area. He'll do the whole thing. He's... um. He's an interesting guy. And apparently they love the trainings ever since he yeah. came in. Everyone session. seems happy. The players seem very happy. And they're, I mean, there's, you can't fake that. What you see on the sidelines with the, the assistants. Look, uh, there sure is a, a tr as sure as me and you are talking right now, Max, he will be sacked by Leeds United of at course. some point. Cause that's the way it works. Or, but, but I, he, may, he might be sacked at the end of a very fruitful, fruitful period in, yeah. in management. Right, as long as you can get through this season, that and then that's the work that's going to help the next U.S. manager. I truly believe that this work is in place. That if he if he had a horrible run in it, I'm not saying that that's the only reason you would hire or not hire an American manager, but 
this is a this always happens. I think in the Premier League, they've done in the past where they've hired an Italian manager. If that works, let's hire another one or an Argentine. It it, it helps. I hate it, maybe it sounds too much of this, the lowest common denominator in determining how these coaches are, but I I, I believe I there's I, something to it. I think there's something in it. I mean, I wouldn't say it's. I mean, you're right. In the past, it has been a copycat league. Remember when Arsenal got Wenger? Yeah. Yeah, he was like the first. He was the first big foreign gotta, manager. Got to get couple. a Frenchman, and then you had then you had Gerard Houllier, then you had Jack Santini, then you had you know like there was a, a slew of guys <laughs> yeah, came in, right. you know. And so, uh, as much as it is a super league with huge amount put into analytic analytics and data, and 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 um, I'm sure they do their homework and all the managers. You're you're not wrong. Um, yeah, it's 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 a it's a very good it's a very good time, and I and I do think that. Uh, Dear old Bob broke some ground in that he didn't. I think all the jokes were spent at that point. Yeah, and they were bad. They were there some bad oh, jokes. Vicious. There was some vicious stuff. Uh, Nasty. Soccer AM did. A, was it Bob Boobly or whatever it was? Apart from the fact it it wasn't terribly it was, fu- funny. It wasn't but, funny at all. But it was very much you know like uh, a drill sergeant kind of. Um, yeah. Uh, what's that? Um, Full Metal Jacket kind of stuff, yes. screaming and all that stuff, but it was it was very targeted. And it I sure it was, was targeted in the press conferences too. And now, no, look, he would, it didn't work out. Um, but there were, and, and there, it, he was unfortunate. There was a general dissatisfaction, uh, dissatisfaction with ownership at Swansea, and there probably still is. Um, and and he was just seen as their man. It was right. it was all wrong. He should have said no, honestly. He he's I know he's told Taylor Twelman in an interview he wishes Swansea never called and that just breaks your heart to oh. hear something like that that uh, it, it got to that because he had a great CV yeah he has a great CV yeah he does like, honestly and he wasn't afraid to go abroad try his hand in different countries drop down divisions in France manage Ooh. like he was a he was a the yeah. Egyptian national team it's it's uh the it's a great resume it's a resume that re- if you throw it out the national nationality it's a it's a legit candidate well, I, for a Premier told, League team if I named the clubs and the countries he'd managed and I didn't tell you who it was and I, and I didn't name any MLS clubs yeah you'd probably say oh is that part of Roy Hodgson's CV Roy Hodgson was seen as this <laughs> yes. he was seen as this Renaissance man uh, of English football because he managed in uh, all over the place he managed Inter Milan he managed in Switzerland he managed the Swiss national team. You know, Bradley went and did that too. Um, and I, just because of the way things went in the Premier League, which is the all-encompassing league, um, he's looked at a bit askance. But um, maybe there's another chapter for him. JJ, I know why you're good at, at podcasting because it really feels like I've been here for 10 minutes. We haven't. It's been like an hour. And oh my it God, is no one's flown. going to this, Max. Can it has flown it. by. I guarantee you they will. What an absolute delight. <laughs> and I would, so I, I would love to continue. It's just because people are not going to listen to three hours of us yapping, but I probably can get there. But <laughs> well, let's uh, do it again. Let's, let's do, it again. do it again. We'll bring Andrew in on that as well, but we'll continue where we left off. But this is fantastic. JJ Devaney, a cough, caught offside podcast. Um, you get more of this stuff. You just get me out of it so you could hear the good stuff and 18 kilometers and yada, yada, yada. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you, Max. I appreciate it. It was uh, that, that was a lot of fun. Oh, I had more fun than you you did. I can I can assure you. JJ Devaney again. This is uh, the Soccer OG. We'll be back with stoppage time after this. Time now for stoppage time, and I know we've probably all had our fill of Jesse Marsh, Brendan Aronson, Tyler Adams, Leeds United right 
as uh, I've pointed out in the past, the it's we're, we we go way overboard on social media, our American soccer media, and I'm guilty of it. I'm not I'm not casting uh, any bad energy. I'm not throwing any stones at anyone. Although we, we should, some are worse than others, and I'm not the worst. You you know we are very proud to be American. I can only imagine outside the rest of the world if they caught ear of it how it would almost induce vomit to see us talking about our American players and I know there's a lot of uh, folks who do consume it here in this country are going what is going on I watch a team I don't care where they're from I get it I get it but with this is this is a long struggle this is a struggle that goes so far back me personally because I've been there from the beginning I've been there from the beginning I have uh I've lost work in soccer because I'm American. I'm telling you, I've lost work over and over again. I put my work next to anybody as a broadcaster or as a soccer expert. I've been looked at the face for somebody who's covered it for 20 years and said, you're not authentic enough. You don't have a knowledge of the sport. And it drives me bananas, but it's an uphill battle we've all expected. So when that it all comes out on that Twitter when we see Jesse Marsh or... Brandon Aronson or Christian Pulisic. We're really proud because no one has to be raked over the coals like Americans. It's fact. It's fact. Nobody wants America to be successful. And I'm saying nobody in the big picture. I'm not saying there are there's examples. But by and large, the, the world doesn't want America to do well because America has its own sports and they do well in that. And they're overbearing. And we know the expression, the ugly Americans. And man, are we ugly on that Twitter timeline. It's true. But why we have to abide by the the etiquette in the sport when none of that is afforded to us, really. I'm I'm telling you the truth. You know, we talked about Bob Bradley with JJ and, you know, the things that we are exposed to. And and we we also prolong the stereotypes. We've got to stop doing that. We are a sophisticated bunch. We need some help. We need some help along the way from non-Americans. We get in our own way sometimes. But we're figuring it out. And we adapt to the sport. We have to. But, you know, our league is still, they don't say it the right way. It's the MLS. No one ever bothers to correct themselves. It's uh, it's a uh, gimmicky league. Our players aren't quite ready because they haven't gone through a, a cultural test in the sport that they go through in Latin America and Europe and Africa. So we're not supposed to be here. So I take a lot of joy watching it. And it comes out, we we shouldn't get angry. Or we shouldn't say dumb things like, well, the more Americans are in there, the better chance to win. I've said that tongue in cheek. But, you know, saying like Brendan Aronson and Tyler Adams playing well means Christian Pulisic should be in there too. I mean, he's American. Yeah, this, this lowest common denominator stuff doesn't fly. And a lot of it's tongue in cheek, but... I'm just telling you where I'm from. I know it's obnoxious. I'm going to keep doing it until we're into the bloodstream. Just until this isn't a big deal. And because of what Jesse Marsh and Tyler Adams and Brendan Aronson did on Sunday morning, so early, what is what the, the Barcelona game is at 1 o'clock Pacific time. That game's at 6 a.m. Come on, England. you got to look out for us on the West Coast, even on the East Coast. Sunday 9 a.m. is early. Saturday night's when you're out. You're enjoying yourself. You go to bed at 2 or 3. It's early. 6 a.m.'s insane. Sitting there with like one eye on and my pajamas on. Drinking a tall glass of emergency water, which I drink every morning. So, uh, and then their games are done by 10.30. Right? Or they're done, yeah, they're done by 10.30. What's, what's the rush? 
Hello, England. But what they did, those three guys, was more important than we've seen anything because it just changed the narrative. Not just the way here in the States, but how it's viewed there. Leeds United are enamored, the fans, by these this coach and these players. And they can't put their finger on the coach because he's a lunatic, right? <laughs> I've known Jesse a long time, and I'm looking forward to bugging him for some tickets. But um, it's... Uh, it shows you, and it's look, it's week three, but Leeds should be three wins for three, quite frankly. And I think they have some road games coming up. So it's going to be challenging for them, but they've already done a lot. I mean, frustrating Thomas Tuchel. That's hard to do. And just like the way Leeds played under Marcelo Bielsa, they're kind of doing that with Jesse Marsh, and they're going to hit a wall, right? They're not very deep. And uh, Patrick Bamford now is not there dangling. I mean, they didn't have Patrick Bamford. So they'll get there. And uh, they had a very active summer market. They're going to have to have a big winter market. At some point, they're going to turn on the U.S. players. It's not going to all be unicorns and lollipops. It's going to change here at some point. But uh, this is uh, an incredible ride to be on as is. And I think worst case leads may go to 10th or 11th or 12th. But they won't be in relegation. They're just too good. And uh, Brendan Aronson scored a goal that you see only the star players in the soccer universe score. Pressing a world-class goalkeeper like Edouard Mendy into a horrible mistake. When you make goalkeepers look that bad, you are a Lionel Messi or a Neymar or a Cristiano Ronaldo. That's the kind of play that is where you press and they're like, oh boy, I, I'm, in big, I'm in big trouble here. Tyler Adams came in to do a job and he's doing it perfectly. Right in front of the back four, getting from sideline to sideline, winning ball, distributing he is perfect. But let's also, let's not compare him to N'Golo Kante just yet. Tyler Adams has been at it for a while in his Germany experience. This is not a 19-year-old talent that just come on. He's a really good player. And he has improved. But I have not seen Tyler Adams play that well, ever. I haven't. Not even in MLS. I've never. So I don't know if we could say that's him. That all of a sudden he's flipped the switch. He's a good player, but there's limitations to what he can do. And I'm here not, I'm not here to bag on Tyler Adams. I'm just saying this is not going to be like this every week. But that moment, we could all share and celebrate and soak it in. Because uh, we've been we've been beaten around a fair bit. Americans aren't given opportunities. They have to take them, whether it's a, a player, whether it's a coach, whether it's an executive. Executives doing very well. Ownership groups, by and large, for the U.S., although you have the Glazers, you also have... The Liverpool ownership. You have the Nottingham Forest ownership. Fulham ownership. It's, they're doing very well. American ownership is respected. American broadcasters, not respected. We'll get there too. The Premier League should hire me because there's enough Americans now. You need an American broadcaster, just uh, speaking out loud. It's going to be like this. There's going to be a chapter like this every week, whether it's going to be Josh Sargent or it's going to be Serginio Dest or Luca De La Torre or Christian Pulisic, God willing. The Fulham pairing have been... Fulham is the one <laughs> Fulham is the one that is going to have some staying power, I believe. Either way, we're enjoying it. And there's going to be more. This is the doorway for more American players and coaches. There's going to be some co- coach openings in England, and they're going to consider American coaches, which they never would have. And I don't know who those are. Could be Jim Curtin. Could be Steve Chirundolo. Some guys like this, they're going to be considered who have some European ties. So there you have it. 
Enjoyed it? I hope. I know I did. And we'll see it again soon. The Soccer OG podcast rate, review, download, subscribe, tell a friend, and check out the entire Soccer OG podcast library. As we always like to sign off, Placido Domingo. Domingo.